This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods, and I'm joined, as always, by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, just living the dream. Uh, big news this week uh, for anyone who, you know, it doesn't even matter if you live in the United States. Globally, big news. The inauguration of a new president in the United States. How exciting. Yeah, that was um, a big, like, a bigger TV production than I realized. Like, yeah. I realized all the stuff that, you know, happens. I've seen, you know... I'm almost 32, so I've seen, you know, a bunch of presidential inaugurations, but I didn't anticipate the, like, there's like a, a show on NBC at night, basically, that was just like, here's Lady Gaga, or, or no, she did the, she did the, um, she did the national anthem, like, during the actual swearing-in ceremony, but like, it was like Katy Perry, and like John Legend, and Justin Timberlake, and like this big, like, um, celebrity, you know, production at, at night. And I was just thinking like, you know, now that we have a quote unquote normal president again, you know, mm-hmm. the celebrities are like, okay, it's safe. We can come back out. We can, we can show support. We can show love. So that was pretty, that was pretty interesting to watch. what do you think of that? I didn't realize the pageantry would be so big. Just given the lot, like the tighter security because of, you know, the riots a couple weeks ago. So I was just kind of expecting it to be a super low key inauguration, just a low key day in, in general, because the pandemic one, so you don't really want people together and two, um, the so much military all in DC. Um, and then of course the memes that came out of it were, I personally think the Bernie one is gold. I love it. I love and it's on everything where he just looks like so unhappy and disgruntled. And I'm like, yes, Bernie, I too would feel that <laughs> way if I had to sit out in the cold all day just for all this pageantry. Like, I would be so annoyed. So love that meme. This is a very fun time for Bernie. I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here for a second because you keep saying the word pageantry. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately um, in regards to certainly yesterday, uh, yeah. y- yesterday we're recording this on Thursday. So yesterday was like all the, the big events and it, I, I agree. Like there was a, there was a lot of pageantry, a lot of ceremony, and it made me think of the way that the NFL does the NFL films type stuff. And like the behind the scenes, like game day, um, 
videos that they put up like on YouTube and on NFL.com and stuff like that. And there's so much like pageantry behind it. And there's so much like um, reverence. And I just find that so interesting. And that's, that's kind of different than the other leagues. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the NFL is so popular because they take themselves very seriously. Yeah. And that's what it reminded me of yesterday. Just this very self-serious. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be, especially inaugurated a new president that's an important role it's an important job to have but like the self-seriousness of it and the 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 reverence that is held in it made me think of the nfl because i think that the nfl kind of straddles the line between like too self-serious to me like takes itself way too seriously but the fact that they take themselves that seriously i think leads to a better broadcast product for them i think that they're the best you know i'm more of an nba fan than i am an nfl fan but the NFL is like miles ahead production wise versus the NBA, in my opinion. And part of that is part of the, one of the reasons for that is because the NFL holds itself in such high esteem. I don't know. That's kind of just a tangent. I don't know that you do sports and courts. So you're the, you're the, the sports expert between the two of us, but I don't know. I would not say that. That is, <laughs> that is not true. I know that you follow plenty of sports and you have lots of takes. Um, I do agree with you when I, in terms of the, production for the nfl like as you were talking about that i was thinking about it i'm like yeah like in general like even for college football i feel like it starts there with the production and then it only takes off when it becomes the nfl and i would assume that part of it is because it's once a week that each team plays an inauguration happens once every four to eight years and so you can you should make a good product like if it in a we are in a time where content is king and if your content's not good if you're not entertaining people like what are you doing and so for something even for politics like i don't necessarily agree with it i don't necessarily agree that like politics are here to entertain us because they're not like politicians are here to serve the people and um basically make the country a better place to be like by representing their constituents so they they are not here for our consumption that being said it is like a big day and so it it does need to be very well executed and so yeah it, it it helps that it's taken so seriously and like kind of shifting back to the nfl like it helps with their content uh to be like that serious i don't know if they could get away with like the nba i i think the nba's content is very fun but like there's a game on like every night (laughs) so it's like i'm not gonna sit and think about the pregame for the bucks and the lakers i'm i'm not i'm gonna be like man that was cool that they did this in-game activation or they played this video or they did this thing and when they do the different highlight videos of you know when the players when they're highlighting a player or when they're showing the players being in the community like things like that like i don't expect it to be the most well-produced and like well-executed thing i expect it to be entertaining i i expect it to like get my attention and be like have the emotional factor to it but it doesn't need to be it doesn't have to have all the bells and whistles where the nfl um you know 
they they kind of do like when with like the Super Bowl, like they are it has to be very buttoned up and very serious because it is this thing. It's a big deal for so many people. Americans love football, and even if you don't like football, you're probably going to be watching the Super Bowl. It's it is an event, and the inauguration is like that. It is an event, and so it needs to be excellent at the very least. I agree with with so much of what you just said, uh, and including that last part in terms of you know the the it's a major event, and um, the Super Bowl and the and an inauguration is kind of like the shared communal experience. Mm-hmm. That's something that I thought about a lot um, when I was working in TV news, and I worked for the NBC affiliate here in Des Moines, and it was the year that the Packers won the Super Bowl. Actually, in 2011, we're, we're, we're praying, we're, we're forming prayer circles as, as we speak, hoping for a similar event this year. I mean, I but hope I, they make it, but if my bills make it, all bets are off. Emergency pod for the two of us if, <laughs> for the Bills uh, Packers Super Bowl. I would oh my love gosh, it. Yes, I would love it. Uh, we'll put we'll, we'll we'll put that to the side and we'll hope it happens. But like I was I I was um. When I when I had that job and when that was going on, it was a big deal. Like it was a big deal for NBC to have the the Super Bowl, and we ran a lot of promos for it and all this other stuff. So yeah, it's it's definitely something that's uh, in the minds of like you know TV producers and the presence of these networks. Like that's a big thing. They know that a, a lot of people are going to be watching. They're going to get a lot of eyeballs, a lot of ad time, more expensive ads because of uh, how popular it is, how many people are watching, and so. I agree with that. And then also we, we talk about it being, you know, just more volume in the NBA. It's a volume business in, in, in a certain regard because you're having three or four games a week as opposed to like nationally televised as opposed to once a week or, um, you know, three times a week, I guess, or um, for the NFL, but especially Sundays. Like it's, it's just such a, like that's the day. That's the NFL's day. So, um we're going to hold on to that because we're going to, you know, we're going to save this for our, for our sports pod that we, that we eventually do at some time. Um, but I, I think it's a good transition into, into what we're talking about because we're talking about TV shows and we're talking about um, TV events and, and especially in the, in the backdrop of the inauguration, we talked about how volatile this, this moment is and how we're in the midst of such a, a transition period between, you know, a, pretty openly racist and white supremacist fueled regime into a different one. And so uh, we're going to be talking about Lovecraft country on this episode and Lovecraft country, like the other um, series we've been talking about, we, we talked about Watchmen last week, but you know, all of these shows are coming out in the context of the Trump administration and um, with shows like Lovecraft country and, and Watchmen that are tackling race in such um overt overt ways and it's it's kind of the backbone of the show is is the the implications of race in america and and lovecraft country it takes place in the 50s and there's also a the sci-fi element to it but um so lovecraft country aired last fall and it's about i can kind of should i just kind of go through and talk about what it's about a little bit or yep and we there are spoilers just Fair warning, there will be spoilers in probably both the summary Arnold's about to give, and then um, we definitely will probably have spoilers when we get into the show. 
Yes. So if you if you don't want to know what happens, um, like like Emily so eloquently put it last week, you know, we'll see. We'll, thank you for listening. This counts as a listen. So um, <laughs> skip to the end when we say our farewells, or, or just tune in that was next week and, and watch Lovecraft Country and then come back to the spot. But yeah, Lovecraft Country. It's based on a book. It was based on a book by um, Matt Ruff. And it's a little bit different from the book from from what I understand. My sister has a, a really good friend that read the book. And so when they watched it together, they kind of went through the similarities and differences. But it's about um, a young man named Tick, Atticus Freeman, played by John, Jonathan Majors. And uh, the series centers around his journey. Um, he The series starts with him going to... Um, going home, coming home from from the war, from the Korean War, and trying to find his father. And it's a story about family, and it's a story about, you know, family estrangement, and it's a story about um, he joins his childhood friend, uh, Letitia Lewis, and his uncle, um, George Freeman. And they, in the first episode, um, George is writing a book about, you know, safe places to travel um, across the Midwest or across the country um, for black people. Again, this takes place in the 1950s. So he's, he's um, creating a safe traveling book. And so they get some clues to go to um, Lovecraft County, I believe, in, which is in Massachusetts. Um, and some clues about Atticus's father. And so he, Letitia and Uncle George travel there and they travel through the country and they have to navigate the racism of the country. And then also there are some supernatural elements that happen when they get to when they get to Boston. And the story kind of delves into Atticus's family's history in terms of them being linked to like these this group of um practitioners of magic and basically Atticus has to kind of navigate that and keep his family safe, both from just everyday racism. And then also from um, the sorcerers and the, the magicians and, and the people who are trying to um, claim his birthright basically. And I guess is I don't want to, we'll, we'll get into more specifics, but that's kind of what the, what the overview of the, of the series is about. And um, so what you didn't watch Lovecraft Country when it came on initially, did you? No, I watched it shortly after like my roommate and I, my roommate and I started watching it um, because you talked about it. So I was like, oh, I need to start watching this show. Um, so we watched the first episode or first two episodes and then kind of like fell off because life. Um, but then I had listened to an interview um that journey smollett had done and i was like oh man i really need to like watch this show i watched this show in birds of prey because i'm like oh man yeah i want to like she sounds dope so um that was kind of how i i binge watched it in like an afternoon which r.i.p my sundays when i find a show that i want to watch and was a little before I had heard the interview and before I, you know, you had talked about it very much, I knew it was like a horror show and that was not uh, a big selling point for me, but you watched it like as it came on. I did. Yeah. 
And it is, yeah, it has, um, I was, I listened to a podcast interview with Misha Green. Misha Green is the showrunner and creator of Lovecraft Country. And she had actually worked with Journey Smollett on a show called um, Underground that was on WGN that I had not seen. But again, my sister watched that show and she really liked it. That's just shit. That was a show about um, some like fictionalized events surrounding the underground railroad. And yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not a big scary person, but um, Misha Green kind of talked about um, creating spaces for, for black stories within the sci-fi genre, within the horror genre, because that's not something that had really existed large scale and so this was kind of her, she talked about wanting to like break down those barriers and have us um, have our stories be in there. And it's, it, it's kind of similar to what we talked about last week, right? In terms of like, if you're a superhero, even if you're a superhero and you're black, you're still black first. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're in a horror movie and you're white, like it's just the focus is the horror. But if you're black, then it's, you know, it's your blackness first and then the horror. So I was intrigued by it, and so I watched the first episode, and I wanted to kind of talk about the the first episode, yeah, uh, just as a and a primer for for the rest of the conversation. But the the first episode, the pilot episode, blew me away. I was completely enraptured by it. It's it's very different than the rest of the than the rest of the series, but it's just it's incredible, and it's honestly one of the first one of the best like tv pilots i've ever seen and so what did, what did you before we kind of get into the specifics of the of the episode what did you think of the of the pilot episode of the of the series i like left it thinking oh my gosh what did i just watch just because the beginning is bananas because take is like having this like almost flashback dream thing that's like wild it's like they're monsters and aliens whatever it's like it it was not what i expected um my roommate had started the show and i walked downstairs and was like what are you watching and he's like i'm watching lovecraft country do you want to watch so he restarted he's like i don't know what's going on i understand this and i'm like me neither and so we like were very confused for the beginning of this episode um, and then it kind of evens out because it's like, oh, he was just like dreaming. Like he had been away at war. Like, of course he would have like some type of PTSD dream. And, um, then for the monsters to reappear later, like different monsters to appear later in the episode, but like, it's t- the way it's like tied into not casual racism, like full-on racism and like showing a sun downtown like i i thought it was tied together really nicely not mean yeah it was it was put together well where it's like man this sucks yeah you kind of would take the monsters over like the real life monsters that like walk around so um i think it as for a pilot it was super engaging i feel like a lot of shows pilots are hard it can be a really hard sell to continue watching a show just based off of the pilot but this pilot was just like i i want to know what's happening i want to know what happens to them what what happens when they like go into this house like what's going on 
Yeah, the pilot is just like there's um I have this in in my in our notes, but there's a part where they, you know, they're driving across Indiana and this their their home is in Chicago. That's where Atticus is and Uncle George and, and Leticia live. Atticus is played also by Jonathan Majors, who I think is about to really blow up. He's in a, a, a bunch of new stuff that's in production right now. He's gonna be in a Marvel movie and He's going to be in this Western on Netflix that I, that with like an all black cast that I'm very excited about. So um, shout out to him. And then Courtney B. Vance plays Uncle George, who, who's great. And I wish we had more of him even in, in the series. But like the three of them go or they're driving through like Indiana and they're driving through just like this really, you know, racist part of the country. And there's like the, a monologue, a James Baldwin monologue in the middle of the episode. And that that device is used after this. There's like a Gil Scott Heron monologue, and there's just like they they use music cues and like monologues, voiceovers, like during various parts of the series in different episodes. But like the first one is like the most effective because it's the most surprising, and it's 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 framed against this backdrop of them like driving across the country and, and dealing with these racist people. And there's also like famous photographs from that time that are kind of like brought to life within the episode. And this is really stunning and like staggeringly good. And I remember watching it and being like, I would watch it. I would watch a series just of this, like just of them driving across country and bonding together. And, um, you know, they're laughing, they're joking. Um, they're just they're They become this little like three person family unit, like right in the beginning, right just in that episode and you you become so invested in them and that's what i thought the rest of the series would be honestly and it wasn't and that's fine but like i would have just loved that i would have loved them every week they're going to a new town and they're meeting new people and they're also like developing their own relationships with each other and like i just i really really love that part of the pilot i agree with that and i think like when the other episodes watching the other episodes, I almost expected something similar, but then it was made pretty clear that it was not going to go in that direction of them kind of going all over and exploring. So what did you think of, so they, he, it turns out that Atticus has like this lineage of the, um, it's like the sons of Adam or something like that, I think Mm -hmm. is what it's called. And, it's like this um, secret society of like racist white wizards, basically. <laughs> kind of hard to explain. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot. too on the nose with yeah, their, right? like. <laughs> like grand wizards and shit. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, all right, we get it. But I think that there's, there's a lot in there about like, you know, bloodlines and, um, knowing your history and like the, the history of, you know, black people being intertwined with white people, mm-hmm. um, mostly, um, in this country, you know, because of slavery and because of, um, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, people were forced against their will, slaves were forced against their will to have children with like, you know, slave owners and things like that. So, there's that aspect of it. And then there's this, you know, this, just the, the family drama aspect of it, of, you know, Atticus and his, and his father, who he eventually finds 
and um, the estrangement there and their relationship. And, you know, Letty has a sister that she has an estranged relationship with. So, like, what did you think about, like, the family dynamics of the show? The family dynamics of the show were, I think, over the course of the show, very well fleshed out. Like, Letty and her sister, um, Ruby, and, like, the relationship that Atticus has with, like, his uncle and his his aunt and his um, cousin, where it's, like, they're very close, but then his dad, like, he has, like, not a great relationship with his dad, and it's his dad's, like, dealing with his own, like, crap, and it doesn't, like, dig into it, like, a ton. Like, it's not focused on, like, the relationship of him and his dad. Like, it's part of the story. Like, it's important, but, like, it shows that, like, our parents are people, too, that they lived life before they were parents, and so there's an episode where um, Atticus and Letty and um, Atticus's father Montrose go back in time and Atticus can see how his grandfather treated his father and like how that kind of informed how his father would behave. And like, I mean, his, his grandfather and his father had a very stressed relationship, but like his uncle and his grandfather, like, it was still tense, but it was different. And so, like, the way they were treated differently, so he can almost see it, like, oh, like, I almost understand, like, why um, my uncle, be like, he can manage it a little bit better, but, like, his father can't. And then, like, his father being gay, um, I say this, and I, I say it frequently, not in a, like, it can't be true, but, like, in within the black community like you can't be black and gay um and it to like certain friends like to my white friends they're like that seems homophobic i'm like no it's not like i'm not saying it like no like we i'm against someone being gay like no you can't it it's like very every subgroup is dealing with its own issues internally like just because um folks are being oppressed in certain ways like in the broader sense of society that doesn't mean like within the groups there isn't trouble and so like during the time like especially during this time in the world like of course that like it doesn't really matter what color you are you can't be gay and so like his dad kind of working through that and like um I think that overall just everyone within these family dynamics like they're their own people and the, their interactions with one another. Like, I feel like on some shows it's, it, it's kind of forced, right? Because you only have so much time to like develop this, these relationships on screen, but like the, these ones make sense in the way they're like developed over time. You don't finish the show thinking, well, they would not have behaved like this based off of what I saw in like, episode two of the show it's like no like there was some growth but also like you see kind of the tension between each relationship too yeah i think that and i I have this written down as well but like there's so much like there's so many little subtle like relationship things that get thrown at the characters and it's and obviously it's so all of it is within the context of like this greater like mystery sci-fi horror stuff. And there's like the, the mythology of the show is 
built basically every single episode. Like there's more added to it every single episode. And so combining that with like the family dynamic aspect of it and everything that you said is true about being black and gay and especially in like the 1950s and um, the stigma behind that, like there's, there's just so much show, there's so much stuff in the show that it seems like Misha Green kind of just like had all of these ideas that she wanted to put in. And I almost feel like she maybe like wasn't sure if it would, if she would have another chance and another season to, to yeah. get all these ideas in. So she kind of just like stuffs all of it in into the first season. And it's like hard to follow some of the stuff narratively. And there's some things that, you know, and even in the, in the interview that I referenced earlier with her that I heard on, the, on that podcast, she was just kind of like, you know, my mentality with storytelling is just like, go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that, but it, I think that it also, um, the story suffers a little bit from trying to, you're kind of left wondering, like you're, you're kind of left with some gaps that aren't filled in because there's just so much plot and mythology all at once but you know it's it's compelling like you know everything that you everything that you just just referenced and that we've been talking about you know with these characters and and what they're dealing with is very it's very compelling and you're very invested in them so it's kind of a balancing act and in, in that sense i hope that they do have a second season so that they some of this other stuff can be like fleshed out a little bit more do you think that they're going to do a second season based off of how this first season ended? I think so. I think that I don't, I, I, I say, I think so in the sense that I don't think that the, the way that this season ends makes it seem like it's like, it's, it's, it's final in that okay. like there's, in, in there's no more story to tell. I don't think that that's true. I think that there is more story to tell. I think that this, particular story arc certainly is closed but uh, i don't think that the the ending leaves it where it's like we can't explore more of these characters journeys i think that especially someone like um letitia and um hippolyta and 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 d you know i think that there's certainly a lot more story to tell with them if if um if misha green wants to do it if hbo wants to do it what do you think I, I agree with you. I would, I would like to see it be more about D, because I, I maybe D is one of the characters where I was like, oh, she's like a little underdeveloped. But then at the end, like she comes in, you're like, oh, like look at her saving the day. But like, not a lot of time was dedicated to her outside of that the creepiest episode of the show. Um where she has yeah. like those little thing creatures chasing her around um Popsy and Bopsy that was the only episode that I thought was like scary mm-hmm. and and like they it's unfortunate that that was the only episode where you really see D but and it's not like a lot of development for her. It's her going through this thing and no one's paying attention because there are 5 billion other things happening. And so she's like, I'm losing my mind and no one's paying attention. And, um, and to go from that to then a couple episodes later where um, he ends up, you know, killing Christina. It's just like, Oh, I would not have that. That is an unexpected like story piece. I think. 
that episode, yeah, let's talk about that episode a little bit because that's such a such an incredible like metaphor for you know the, this 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 show does a lot of um, shoehorning into I, I, that has a negative connotation. I don't mean that. I, I don't have a better word for it off the top of my head, but it kind of fits itself into actual events that that happen yeah. in real life. And so that's that episode begins with D and 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 Tick and Letty and Montrose and I think Ruby too. So like basically all the main characters are besides Hippolyta are at the funeral of Emma Till. And there's an earlier episode where it's implied that like Emmett Till is one of Ruby's friends. Emmett Till, obviously, for those who don't know, was a young boy in Chicago in the 50s who was murdered by um, white men for whistling at a white woman. They perceived that he like whistled at a, at a white woman, even though he had like a speech impediment. And um, even if he did whistle at the white woman, like that's not uh, a death sentence, but back then it was. So there's the, like, it starts there. And then like just the, the, the entire episode of, and the idea that you're talking about of like D having to deal with these demons, basically like she, she's, she's dealing with the death of her friend and this young boy and like the trauma that comes with that. And the trauma of recognizing that, you know, she, she has an encounter with one of the white police officers who like casts a spell on her basically and her her trauma manifests itself her demons manifest itself as these two like literal like young girl demons that follow her around and it ends up like consuming her and like there's that's such a deep metaphor for you know young black children at that time especially but even now who have to deal with like this overwhelming trauma and are trying to you know he keeps trying to tell people, keeps trying to tell her family members and the people older than her about what she's dealing with. And they're, like you said, they have their own stuff to deal with and they're not taking her seriously. And so she has, she's left to fend for herself. And, you know, when, when anyone is left to fend for themselves emotionally in that situation, it, it's not gonna, not gonna go well if they're, if they're, if they're not sure how to like process what they're feeling. And especially a, a young, you know, young teenage girl, maybe not even, maybe like 12 years old, having to deal with that. And then, you know, in the real world, you just grow up and you carry these demons with you into adulthood and you don't know how to deal with them and they consume you. Or when you're a child, they consume you. And so like that's that being kind of the the physical manifestation of it, these two, you know, supernatural demons that are like chasing her and like assaulting her and she's feeling the scars from it physically. I just thought that was just like an incredible episode and the acting that the actress does who plays D um, in that episode. She's just, she's really incredible. Agreed. And like, it's good storytelling in the episode. It would have been good to have more build up for D before that. And then like, carrying on with that not that there was like a lot of space so yeah if there was another season i think to include d more and flesh her out more because i'm sure with a new season they could use that to kind of show how she's working through what had happened because you don't really see her like processing that she was like there like invisible to everyone else demons that were 
chasing her around. Like she kind of, it kind of is just the story just moves along without even addressing like more to it. Like, you know, how are you dealing with all of this? What did you, what did you think about Ruby? Uh, the character uh, Ruby is, is Letty's half sister. And there is some strife there. Um, even before you get to the supernatural aspect of it, there's, you know, some implied history between the two of them. That isn't the best. What did you, what do you think about Ruby? I thought that the Ruby subplot was fascinating. Um, it's like, it causes a lot of mixed feelings because it's like, oh, you want to like pull for Ruby. Like she's working very hard. Like from the time she goes to um, that department store for a job, um, when she goes to Marshall Field and like doesn't get it because she's black. It's, I mean, it's a department store in Chicago in the 1950s. Like she didn't get the job because she's black, but she was like overqualified. And you're just like, man, you just want to pull for her because she's just like, working hard and doing what she needs to do and still not succeeding. And so for the, it like, it proves that for the folks who are just like, no, just work hard and you'll succeed. Like that's false. <laughs> um, not everyone has the same opportunities to succeed in all situations. Like it just doesn't work like that. Welcome to life. So you, you see her in that and you want to like pull for her there and you see that like, Letty kind of she's not really a scrub but she doesn't always like do everything right and Ruby works really hard to kind of be like no I did the right things don't like I don't want your baggage and then for her to like discover the you know magic basically where she can become a white woman and the first time she's just like that that first time that she's the white woman and she doesn't realize it and she like bumps into someone and like it's a young black boy and then these cops are like are, did he do something to you and she's like no like I walked into him and I'm like yeah that's she would only have that awareness of that because she is a black woman in this white woman's body and so kind of how she utilizes that body to like get that job she always wanted and then she sees that like i mean women are still not treated well it, again it's the 50s it's not like you're a white woman and all of a sudden everyone's like yeah let me listen to what you have to say it's not quite like that like she was still working at a department store and like the manager of the store was like such a creep and would like hit on people and like you know wasn't great but, but to see that, to see her kind of be like, oh, I'm a black woman and that's a disadvantage so I can be a white woman, but like, that's not me. Like, you know, it's choosing like, do I want to conform to what is the, what is socially acceptable or like be myself and like be comfortable in that. So like the Ruby storyline was, I thought, great. To me, I think that Ruby is like the most layered character on the show. Yeah. There's so many layers to her. And just to kind of piggyback off of what you just said about, you know, the plot line of her, she, you know, has, she takes this magic potion basically to become a white woman. And Ruby herself is just such a, like you were saying, she's like, she works so hard and she's such a like dynamic 
personality. Like the first time we meet her, she's um, singing. Her and her and Letty are singing and dancing together at a block party in Chicago. And, you know, she's singing, she's playing music and she's, you know, she has everyone's attention and she's just, just like incredible, like presence, stage presence, incredibly charismatic, this like beautiful dark skinned woman who is just, you know, everyone in her, in her orbit is kind of, you know, almost like starstruck by her. But in order to get the job, at the department store, like you said, like she, in order to have that access, like she has to um, morph into this into this white space by becoming a, a white person. And so again, like the metaphor is there, and the uh, the idea. And then there's the the other black girl who gets hired there after she does, and she's kind of like giving her a hard time. And so there's a commentary there about like you know when one black person succeeds and then another one succeeds under them. And the tension that that can cause at, at, at certain points. Mm-hmm. So all of that is just like, all of that is so fascinating. And then she enters into this relationship with this white man who was really a white woman in disguise. And like, there's so many layers on that. And this, this white woman who is, you know, at odds with Atticus and Letty because she's trying to, you know, steal their family legacy basically and, and, and kill Atticus in the process. So there's that dynamic. And then, again layered onto that is her relationship with letty and like that was the first thing i noticed and and thought of when with her and letty because they're sisters obviously but when you see them you're like okay you know letty's mixed ruby isn't they share a mother Mm -hmm. um and there's some there's you know gotta be history there and that's something that's like you know applies to a lot of people that i know um from you know blended families and things like that and and the tenses that that causes so you know, Ruby is just like she's to me maybe the most interesting character, certainly the most layered character on the show, and in all of her plot lines, like you said, I was just really, really fascinated by. She kind of ties the show together, which you would not expect from the first episode that she ends up being like such a key player for the entire show. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot of this show, especially in the last like two episodes, really like hinges around her. And the the decisions that she makes in terms of you know is she going to help um, the woman that she's in a relationship with, um, who is Christina Christina Braithwaite? Is she going to help her? Is she going to help Letty? And she ends up you know unfortunately paying the price for for trying to help Letty in the end, which sucks. Um, but yeah, that was just that's she's she's my favorite character probably. She's incredible. The episode, so there's a, a episode, we, we should talk a little bit about Tick, I think, um, before we talk about, <laughs> yeah. before we talk about the next, the next section, because, you know, Tick is the, um, he's the star of the show, basically, yeah. right? He's the, he's the main character. So what did you think of, of Jonathan Majors and his performances as Atticus? I think he did really well in this show and I'm excited to see him in other things, um, of course, I watched the Five Bloods um, for your recommendation. Also, would rewatch um, Lovecraft Country. I wouldn't really rewatch the Five Bloods. It's it was a lot, um, but he is he's a great actor. I think he has hopefully like a very long future ahead of him. Um, Hick is a 
a character that has a lot going on. Like, so yeah. he, he's coming back from a war that, like, you see that he, it kind of stresses him out that they were in the war and just, like, which, like, fair. Um, if it wasn't stressing someone out to be in another country and, like, killing people in that country, like, I'd be very concerned. Like, there's a reason a lot of people have PTSD and, like, it's just, like, we're not made to, like, live like that and be like that. And so um, kind of the the tension he has there and like his different relationships and how he's managing them. Um, it, it's unfortunate that like we don't get more Atticus. Like he's done, he's, he's out after this season. But I think for a show where... The main character, like he's a, he's a big deal, and the show like is centered around him. But like, you don't feel like other things aren't happening. You don't feel like other characters aren't being developed. Um, I think he is a well written character, and I think Jonathan Majors did a good job, like balancing all of the different things that this character is going through. That's true. I think that he, you know, I, I can, so I can relate to this. Um, or I, I could see, I, I think it was portrayed really clearly and really well, this idea of this kid who kind of returns home after being away for a while. And he kind of becomes like the reluctant leader. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't really what he was anticipating, but he has to, you know, he's, he's the leader of his family and he's the leader of this like community of, of people um, trying to fight against the Braithwaites, trying to fight against Christina and, and, you know, keep his family safe and, and um, navigate his relationships with, with Letty and then Gia later, which, which we're about to talk about. But I, it's, it's interesting to see how, you, you know, you mentioned at the end, he, you know, spoiler, as we said, he, he ends up dying in the last episode and he's like, basically like crucified. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's the, the imagery is very purposeful, I think, but he basically like gives his life for his family. He gives his life to like protect his family. And, you know, he's this, you know, soft-spoken, um, strong-willed but 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 soft-spoken guy who is just trying to you know at the beginning of the series he's basically like his only objective is finding his dad who's disappeared and through that journey he he develops all these relationships and he kind of finds out a part of himself and his 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 family's history that he wasn't anticipating but he kind of gets a lot thrown on his plate and he's the type of you know he's this the archetypal hero character who um, sort of comes of age and 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 comes to be the the leader that he might not have expected, but he 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 does it well and he does it effectively. And I think I think it's just cool to see like that that type of character, um, be portrayed by someone who isn't like a white dude because that's what that character is basically in every other piece of fiction and science science fiction yeah. stories. Um, and again, that goes back to to Misha Green talking about you know pushing blackness into these spaces where where they weren't or where they haven't been historically so and um and also yeah i'm excited to see what he does next he's going to be in a marvel movie he's going to be in the next ant-man movie so that's going to be dope um 
the first thing I thought about him when he was on the screen though, I'm just like, he's, he's just like overwhelmingly like ripped. And yeah. I'm like, no one, no one looks like that in the fifties, bro. Like no one looks like that in like 1954. This guy's just like unbelievably shredded. It's ridiculous. Like no one was working out like that. Not even a little bit. Um, do you want to go back to your point about like in, in normal, in any other science fiction, like it's a white man who would be in the situation who would like, you know, be sacrificing himself at the end. So do you think, and like, I, I read an interview where he was like, if he died alone, it, he'd just be like another dead man. And mm-hmm. like, um, but because like he, he willingly sacrificed himself and like his family was there to see it. And like, there is like some redemption, like he's a, he's a martyr. Like if it is a white man who dies in that and dies alone, does he end up being a martyr? Like does it, for someone who's a person of color, they have to have witness to it to be, be a martyr. Yeah. I think it makes me think of like, um, so it's 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 the way that death is handled in this story, I think, is it's very metaphorical. So like we talk about like the Christina character who's basically immortal mm-hmm. throughout the entire series, like she can't die. And there's that part where she like undergoes, she like gets beat up and dragged through but dragged by the car into the water, you know, to experience like that's the way that Emmett Till died. And so I had a I had a conversation with my sister about this because I wasn't sure like why they did that or if she did that to like to just to try to experience it herself to, so she could like because there is that argument that she had with Ruby where she was like Ruby was like you don't care that this kid died and like all the black people in this community care about that because we have to because we're invested in it and she's like no I don't care and then she ends up doing it but like the white people are like protected by magic mm-hmm. and the black people aren't for the most part the black people are vulnerable even in this in this magical realist realistic world and so for for Atticus, I think that yeah, like he has to um even just the fact that he has to give his life for his family in this way, and that there's you know in a lot of these stories, it's like there's we'll find another way, and at the last at the last second, they figure out something where like the hero doesn't have to die, like that happens in like ninety five percent of these stories, but it doesn't happen to Atticus like he actually has to he actually has to die in order to to save his family so even i even that i think is is a bit of a commentary on the differences in in um in race in these types of stories so yeah like he becomes a martyr but it's just it's it's tough because the people that he loved and that he that he protected have to kind of try to to carry on without him if that makes sense yeah definitely what, what do you what do you think about that I hadn't really thought about it in that way until I read that interview where it was, I was like, well, I guess I hadn't thought about if he had just like died alone, what that would have looked like. And it really would have been not as impactful as him being there with his family. And um, it, I, I think as like a storytelling piece i think it's good um and then like relating it back to like current events because there are plenty of people who people of color who die at the hands of white people and like there's no one to see it and people get upset about it but it's not the same as like last summer where 
a man was, um, you know, murdered in front of like God and everybody. And then the whole country was like, this is not okay. So I think like that, the, the having just kind of like that parallel of like, well, people maybe you're more motivated, not more motivated because I think it doesn't matter if people see it or not. Like people are motivated to do something about writing a wrong, but um, it makes it more real to people to be able to see that. And so, and, and where I, him becoming almost a martyr, like I think that plays that role in that. I agree. It's, it's, you know, so much of the stuff connects to what we're going through now. And even, even though it's the fifties, like we're still having to deal with this, we're still having to deal with people being, you know, murdered in front of their families and, you know, shot by police in the, in the front seat of a car and your daughter's in the back seat. Um, I I think that it's the, the storytelling techniques that they use certainly connect to, to, to what we're dealing with and and the, the, the trauma that we have to, deal with by witnessing this, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. What did you, uh, so at the, at the end of that, of that last episode that we're talking about, like the entire community is there uh, of characters and, and there's a lot of the, of the tension of the, of the season kind of comes to a head, but even there's that tension between Letty and then Gia um, and, and we're introduced to Gia in the in the pilot episode, even though we don't know who it is yet, but Gia is this woman from Tick's past in 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 Korea, and I think that that episode is maybe the best episode of the of the of the series. Um, either that or the pilot episode, in my opinion. Um, what did you think of of the Gia character and and the role that she played? I liked her as a character, and I liked the role that she played in for, for Tick. I think I liked her, like the relationship development for her, her and Atticus, where it's like she comes to it, like she gets a lot of like growth out of this. Like you see her kind of go from being like, no, I, I'm like scared of my mother and like being like, okay, no, I'm like, I'm happy with being who I am. And like, I have all these people's memories and like, this is awful. Um, and, and coming to peace, like you, there's the time where you there you see her and Atticus in Korea and like at first she hates him because like again wartime like all like these Americans are here she's Korean and she's just like she is a nurse and she has to take care of these soldiers and so she was going to kill him um but then was like oh no he's like a person and I I like to see that like that that was such a good way to like have a character developed in a short amount of time where it's like oh you see her um through this whole episode kind of grow and then she comes in she makes an appearance later in the season and it's like she has even more growth and um i i'm curious to see like I would want to see more of Letty processing that relationship because like you, she's just like unhappy, which like fair. Um, but I, I did like the the Gia character. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I just I think that it was I, I and I had to like look up the the type of like magical creature that she was. 
Mm-hmm. Which is like based in like, you know, like Korean folk- folklore. So that was interesting. I agree 100% with what you said about her character development. Like the the ability to de- develop that character as much as they did and as well as they did in just one episode, I think was just incredible. Which is why I think it's like maybe the best episode. Like she goes on this complete journey. And like you said, like she, you know, Tick is responsible for the death of her friend. And, and so she like she hates the guy and then you know he comes back into her life a year or two later or whatever uh, him not realizing that they had met before and you know the ptsd aspect of their relationship and um the the cultural differences like all that stuff wrapped into um the context of this like supernatural you know sexual you know like fantastical crazy thing that she is and having to navigate that, um, I just think that everything was just really well done. And, and I agree with you in terms of moving forward, if they do another season, like kind of exploring the dynamic between her and Letty. And especially, you know, Letty is going to have Tick's son. And so, you know, dealing with that, does she stay in the picture somehow? Does she, because she, you know, she ends up helping them. She ends up helping Tick and helping Letty complete the spell at the end of the, of the, of the finale. And so, um, how how does that go? How do they kind of find some common ground moving forward? That type of thing. So, I bet they become friends. I think so too. I think that they, you know, even in that little part in the last episode where they're all like singing in the car together on the way back to, um, back to the mansion. Like, there's some there's some camaraderie there. So, definitely one of the lighter moments when they're in the car singing because it's not like there are a lot of those in this show to kind of ease the tension. No, I was going to say, like, maybe even in the entire series, one of the lighter <laughs> moments. Because, yeah, it's, there's not a lot of light moments. Every, to your point of where there's just so much packed in, there's so much packed in there is not anything lightening anything up. Like, you can't yeah. just throw those moments in while still having such a jam-packed storyline. Yeah, not a lot of levity in the series, which is fine. But, like, it's, I wonder if they would do that, too, in the next in the next season if they did it like try to find some more moments of like humor or lightheartedness i don't know there's just not a lot of it there i feel like there would be potential for it if they really dig into like a d narrative because like she is a kid so like Mm -hmm. there's so many things that happen as a kid that like they're not great you look back on it you're like that's kind of funny it's like it's funny so like there's potential there and then, like, Letty with having a baby, navigating that. Like, there, I think there's potential there. I don't know if that's something that they're trying to lean into um, in that writer's room. Because the, it wasn't what they were leaning into for this first season. Or if they were just like, if there's not another season, we have to get all of, like, we can't waste time on um, light and happy moments. Like, yeah, we need more. We need more ghosts. We need more poltergeists. We need more crazy creatures that live underground. Yeah, we need, we need another exorcism. Like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No time <laughs> for jokes out here. No. Oh, but overall, I mean, like, it it'll keep you at the edge of your seat. Like, it's a it's an engaging show. Like, I'll give it that. There's just always something. They explore a lot of different aspects of horror and fantasy and like with another season of course they could dig into more like i 
this might be a I don't watch enough TV that isn't Netflix. Um, but like there, there's so much fantasy. You would think that they're like in terms of books, you would think there'd be more shows that are like fantasy. Um because like it's escapism anyway. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't know. I, I I'm kind of the same way. And, you know, that's why when we're doing this, this pod, our next couple of episodes are going to be, I mean, all of these episodes, I guess, but like we're talking about past shows. Cause like, there's just not a lot of stuff that we're able to watch, like as it's happening. Like I just happened to watch Lovecraft country and Watchmen as it happened. But like, usually I don't get a chance to do that. I have to like go back and, and, and watch stuff after the fact and like binge stuff, which is because you said that you binge Lovecraft country, right? I did. It was very shortly after the show had ended. So it wasn't like I binged it months later or a year later, like I did with Watchmen. Um, but it, but still like it was not, I wouldn't get on social media and read it. Not that um, I would remember a spoiler I saw on Twitter, but like still I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to watch this. Um, I just don't know when, but it, it almost makes me want to, for next like whatever the next show like this is uh like sit and watch it now if it's like a game of thrones type thing i've you know that's i say i want to see more fantasy and like hbo did give us game of thrones i've never watched it because i heard it was very violent it is violent i i actually watched it i think i might have mentioned this on the on one of our past episodes but i like i watched i binged it like right i binged the entire series right before the last series ended so I like started the last the last the last season started in like April of 2019, and I like started it in January, and like I I finished it like the last season is season eight or whatever I think season seven or eight. So if if the last season is is the eighth season, I like finished the seventh season the day before, like the night before season eight premiered yeah i think i remember you saying that yeah which i don't recommend that's not a good way to 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 watch a series because like there's so much i just i was just watching i was like it was like cramming for for a test almost like just trying to get as many um episodes in at night as i could at some points but um yeah it's very violent it's a very violent show and the first couple the first couple seasons are great and then towards the lat towards the latter two seasons or so it kind of Peter's off in quality, in my opinion, especially like writing wise, but. Which is a bummer because it, again, it's not like there are an abundance of fantasy shows out there. Like, I feel like there are so many shows about cops and it's like, not just like, oh, you have SVU, like you have SVU and you have Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like you have things from the most serious cop show to the most like clown shoes cop show, but like fantasy, you had Game of Thrones um lovecraft country which checks the box for fantasy and horror so i like i don't think i found many of the episodes to be super scary um the sci-fi network is struggling to have like content and shows because the production is really expensive like they had a show that was on for five seasons called the magicians and like they're like no it's just too expensive to produce and i'm like man but we need fantasy shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree. And and also 
um, just speaking one last thing on Game of Thrones, it's like it's incredibly white. It's a very white show. Ooh, and yeah. not a lot of not a there isn't like a black character that comes in until like season two, I think. So or like maybe the Bad end of book. season one, but yeah, it's not great. So that's the beauty of fantasy. Like it is a world that does not exist. You can write things to be like a writer's room can be so creative and then be like, yeah, like we could have this. Like if Bridgerton, a show that is a period piece, and they could have diversity in it, and it's not like fantasy um it can be done for a fantasy book or a show like and and make it like that like that is the beauty of this they're like you can work outside of the box and hopefully seeing shows like lovecraft country kind of like opens the door to that where writers rooms are like oh yeah we could have a hero who is a man of color or a woman of color and like it doesn't have to be like we can still have white people like there are still plenty of white characters in lovecraft country they're evil but like eh. right yeah the 50s not a good time for white folks in america like they're not no one's gonna be painted as like mother Teresa. i think that it, it would be interesting to see fantasy like kind of combined with like kind of mashed up with these other genres in the way that lovecraft country is because it's like yeah. fantasy is sci-fi it's horror it's like social commentary it's yeah it's, it's, it's a family drama like it's all that even at that level like you don't see a lot of um i don't know like people would say that game of thrones is like family drama but it's not okay. really like it. so it's not it's just it's just like it's like political show yeah political like royalty type shit which is i don't know like that's that doesn't people don't relate to that people don't relate to i'm, I'm watching the crown right now and um there's like family politics in there, but it's just like y'all are just like a bunch of colonizers. So I don't, I don't really care about your family drama. It's it's tough because like it's it's really weird. Like it's really I'm really invested in it and really invested in the characters while at the same time being like fuck colonialism and fuck yeah. royal families. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, but I mean like. That's our feedback to the entertainment industry. We just need to get into some writer's rooms. I, I think that once we're there... We keep saying it, yeah. It could happen. I, I feel good about it. I feel like we could really shake things up. Let's write a pilot together. Let's just, like, do that. Let's let's figure out, like, a show that we could do. Okay, I'm in. Let's do it. We'll we'll work on that off air. And we'll, we'll tell folks about it, you know, yeah. as we work through this. Uh, exactly. As we, continue to go through tv shows any uh final thoughts on lovecraft country i am good we talked about all of the wonderful things about it and hopefully we get another season so we can talk about it again how about you i agree yeah i want another season um this is a great convo um, you made me think a lot with with some of your some of your takes so i, I always enjoy these conversations same they're so much fun um, and we appreciate you all listening. We'll be back next week to talk about community. Yes. That's a major shift from the past two shows we've talked about. But, you know, community is a quality show. And start binging it, folks. Yes, please. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone.